and welcome to episode 74 of our Baseball Weekly, the weekly podcast from the Baseball subreddit. My name is Lewis, and I am excited to be back after a brief Memorial Day hiatus. Uh, I am here with Shane, and we are going to just kind of break down the news from the past week. Uh, We might bleed a little bit over into the week before because there's a lot of streaks we got to talk about with that. And then finally, since it's after Memorial Day, uh, at the end of the episode, that's when people say the standings matter. So uh, we are almost a full week into June, so we're going to be taking a look at the standings. Uh, But before we get to that, Shane, how are uh, you doing on this fine Sunday evening? You know, there's nothing like being at a complete stop on the 101 freeway after an extra innings loss that really gives you time to to look into yourself. But uh, other than that, I'm I'm good. I'm happy to talk about baseball. That's that's good. Now, if uh, Maz were here, she would have a very different reaction to that that loss um, because it was not her team that lost. It was your team that lost. Uh, it but- was a. Uh- it's been a clown show the last 36 hours, I got to say. But, uh, I mean, how was the game? I, I haven't made it to one yet this year. Unfortunately, uh, I had planned a trip to the Twin Cities to take in a game, and it looked like the games were going to get rained out, so I canceled, and guess what? They didn't get rained out. Um, that's why we've played seven more games than the Guardians so far this year. We've had no, no major ones, but uh, how, how was the game itself? It was good. I got very lucky. I was in, it's a day game, so I was in the exact row where the shade from the awning cut off. So I was very lucky. Of course, I got there and there were people in the seats because nobody wants to sit in direct sun for uh-huh. what a game that ended up being four hours. But, you know, it's always good to be at Dodger Stadium, despite what, you know, people on the internet who've never been there might tell you. Uh-huh. And did you, did you go with people? Did, is that yeah, a... I went with friends who went for the first time. So it's always, that's always a, an experience. You know, part of it is just the, the explaining everything here and there. But to have an extra inning game, to have at least something interesting happen at the end, to get the action pick up, get the crowd going, it's, it's fun. It's good to be able to display the game in a good condition. Oh, absolutely. So I'm, I'm glad it was at least an exciting game, even if it didn't turn out exactly how you would have wanted it to. Yeah. Uh, still, still a good game to be at. And, uh, you know, really, I, I know the Dodgers haven't been as on fire as they, they were last year, um, but neither have the Giants. So that's, that's always good. I think um, they're actually better uh, win percentage wise at this point in the season than they were last year, but this past week has uh, really just put a, put a, a damper on things. Well, at least uh, you are not the SoCal team with the most damper on things. And that's how I'm going to lead into what we've actually got on the outline here. Uh, first thing up, the uh, angels are on in 11 game losing streak right now. And that is, that is not a fun place to be. They have dipped back under 500. They are currently 27 and 28. Uh, Mike Trout has not been able to hit a baseball. The pitching has been getting shelled. Part of it is, I mean, I was just going to give a little bit of the credit credit to the Phillies and and their their post Girardi bump, but I mean, when you're losing eleven games in a row, that's more than just the Philly series. They're just everything that could really go wrong has has been going wrong. The bullpen is stung. Um, the offense has has varied. 
the pitching, you know, you knew it had to take a step back. I, I think there were a lot of us who wanted to convince ourselves that like, this is what the angels were going to be. And that they'd be able to kind of withstand this pitching performance, but they just, they had, they, no one on the staff really has the track record for it aside from Thor after a major injury um, innings pitched wise. That's uh, there was a number thrown around about um, Archie Bradley having the second highest uh, season high innings on the angel staff which is scary. It's just, it's not a good place right now down in Anaheim. No, uh, they're, they're in a rough patch. Now, to be fair, uh, I mean, you mentioned Phillies get that post-Girardi bunt. They did run into first uh, what had been the hottest team in baseball in the Toronto Blue Jays. Um, and then they had the second hottest team that is now the hottest team usurping Toronto's uh, title with that in the Yankees blowing by and we'll talk about the Yankees later um, which would be concerning for me as a Twins fan because the Twins are facing the Blue Jays and Yankees right in a row but we managed to scrape two of three away from them um, we'll see we never do well against the Yankees so that's that's kind of up in the air but man they have not like a lot of times when you have these long losing streaks, it's a lot of close games, which to be fair, they had three in a row against Toronto that were, were close games. There's three, there's games. three close games in there, but right. there's a lot. Of, I'm just looking at the runs allowed numbers right now. Then and that's the big thing. That's the it's, huge thing. It's brutal. I will go. So this is from the, the second of the Texas series down. This is the whole right. losing streak. Seven, six, Four, six, eleven, nine, six, two, ten, seven runs allowed. I mean, imagine like the pitching staff for that second game of the doubleheader Thursday. Finally, we've only given up two runs. This is great. They That's have a huge. They have Jamison Tyon on the on the mound. This can't be. This is our game to win, right? No, not oh at all. Not I don't. Enough. I don't know what you say if you're in that locker room right now. I don't know what. I I just it's got to be a quiet quiet place. I man and these are the, like these are the skids. This is where I I honestly feel like the biggest difference between last year's Minnesota Twins and this year's Minnesota Twins is that early in the season we won the close games and so the confidence is there. Last year we lost those close games early and it just steamrolled and I, I think it's a very momentum-y team. It's a team that needs to, to like have those vibes in the clubhouse to perform. And I'm feeling like the angels might be in the same boat right now. And I think that's definitely a part of it. I also think in general, from a, from a team building perspective, there's a reason that a team built on pitching is always going to be more reliable than a team built on hitting because pitching doesn't really go through slumps, or at least your whole rotation isn't going to go through a slump. You can, your a bad offense can still spark up some runs every once in a while, but even the best offense is going to go cold. Right. Um, we talked about the the runs allowed run they had, but also on this on this streak, two runs scored, three runs scored, three runs scored, five, ten, one, 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 zero two and then today they scored seven so they got it going today but it's 
it's a combination of the two. And you already know with the Angels that the pitching isn't going to be steady. Uh, there's still hope that it's going to be better than it has been at least these past couple weeks. And there was a glimmer of hope that we saw early in the season. And I totally believe that you could, if you want to convince yourself that the angels can dig them with their way out of this, you, it's not too hard to do. Oh no. It's not, just... not with a third wild card. I mean, they are half a game behind the third wild card right now. And actually coming up here, the Angels and Red Sox have a four-game series uh, this week, Monday through Thursday. And actually, I, I hadn't really realized it. This is a huge, huge series for June mm-hmm. because these are the two main teams that are fighting for that last wild card slot. Really, when you when you look at it. I still think I still want to believe in the White Sox. I know that's not popular right now. And I know it. I just, I can't for. I'm also very scared of the White Sox. Um, My feeling is that uh, the White Sox are going to have to overtake the Twins. I I feel like it is Mm -hmm. more likely that they can overtake a Twins team collapsing than. the Red Sox and Angels both not picking it up. Maybe I'm wrong. The White Sox have a minus 56 run differential. I know some people don't like run differential, but that's like, that's bad, bad. They, I don't know if they are having what the Twins had last year. Um, All I can say is prior to the Toronto series, the Twins went three and seven in their last 10. And, uh, earned games on the white Sox. they went three and seven and they did not drop in the standings they they did not drop in the al central standings it was absolutely ridiculous and then both teams turn around and take two of three from an al east team after everyone's been saying the the al central has been absolute trash so um that's baseball that's uh baseball that's baseball. All right. Uh, next up, uh, a couple of streaks that have been broken. Wait, really quickly. Do you oh, want? Okay. Do you have any more to say about Mike Trout? Do you, Do you really give any sort of credence about him being in the worst slump of his career? Is it just something that? Just, I mean, I guess look at it while it's happening because you may never see it again. Like, how do you feel about it? I mean, I feel like it's just a a slump. Uh, I mean, yes, the worst of his career, but he was also off to one of the best starts of his career before the slump. Um, so, I mean, okay, we're seeing both sides of the Mike Trout bell curve here. Uh, my guess is he gets it going pretty quick here and he's back to his Mike Trout self. Um, I just hope he's healthy. I hope that it's not anything that's bothering him i think it's easy to kind of give that as a cop-out for him i think we still need to accept that maybe mike trout's human maybe he's on an offer because he's on an offer um but if it is something health related i mean that's the last thing the angels need right now right right uh we we do not need a we don't need 26 more at bats of mike trout not hitting uh for the angels to turn it around i don't think baseball wants that i know maz and foolish baseball do not want that um, so we'll, we'll hopefully have that turned around here, um, for, for him. I, I hope he turns it around. I mean, I'm sure Bostonians and as I look at it, 
mainly just the AL East don't want him to turn it around. I feel like the Astros and Tommy Fam and, and Tommy Fam. Yeah, right. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Talk about dumb stories that we can just gosh, that's so okay. All right. <laughs> if you if you didn't hear about the whole Tommy Fam, who did he slap again? Jack we can't Peterson, do right? this. We can't do this. Oh my goodness. It was it was over a week ago. It's even more worthless of a story than the other one that we decided, eh, we'll leave it. Uh, just terrible. Just like Mike Trout's fantasy football commissioning skills, apparently. Aww. Um, go okay. Eagles, go birds. All right. So I, I was just going to say, the. I mean, the Astros, I, I mean, obviously they don't want another team in the division competing that hard, but they've gotten a half, eight and a half game lead now, and I feel they might rather face the Angels than some of the AL East teams come playoff time. Um, We're so far out from that. I, think. I know. I know. We'll get back to the standings. We'll get back. Yeah, we'll get back to it. Okay. Well, moving moving on. Uh, Trey Turner had quite a hit streak going. What was the number? What was the final number when he, he finished it off there? I think it ended at 20. I don't, I don't know the exact number. It's funny because you'll be, you'll be watching the broadcast and they'll say it 60,000 times and then it ends and then you don't remember. Uh, 24. 24, okay. And uh, Mr. Paul Goldschmidt. 26. Jesus. Oh, 26. 26. There we go. I thought, I, thought he, I thought he had it longer because um, Goldie, Goldie's went 25. And yes, he, it did go he, one more game. He, yeah. And uh, with Goldschmidt's, at least, um, he walked twice. He went 0 for 2 and walked twice, which I feel is just a really hard way to lose a hit streak. It is brutal. But don't try to convince me to care about on-base streaks, please. Unless they are record-breaking. But he's gotten to 42. That's great. Good for him. Proud of him. Okay. Okay. Fine. We will. We'll wait till he gets up. The hit streak. The reason the hit streak is sexy is because the DiMaggio number is all time like iconic record in any sport. It's one right. of the. It just culturally, it has history. It has relevance. So we're always gonna look at that and and be excited by it. And they're so rare these days. I mean, the landscape of the game is different. There aren't that many contact driven hitters anymore. That. It's it's always interesting. It's always worth paying attention to, uh, but ultimately, it's just kind of a fun footnote. The thing about Trey Turner, though, is he just prints these hit streaks. Like he will lose one, and then he will start one up right away. Uh, already with the Dodgers, he's had a 26 game hitting streak, a 17 game hitting streak, and then across uh, the season, across two seasons, another like 20 plus game hitting streak. He is just the pinnacle of uh, part of that is the speed too, because he doesn't necessarily look. Like you don't, I don't, maybe this is controversial, but you don't always feel it mm-hmm. throughout that streak. There are some days where it's like, oh yeah, he, he legged out a, a chopper. Right. Uh, Cause he's the fastest guy. Um, especially towards the end of this one. Once you start getting in the twenties and everyone is paying attention to it, um, you start to feel it. Although, you know, maybe that causes a guy to press Trey's a guy who kind of presses to begin with anyway. Right. But it's seeing the 300 number on a scoreboard these days is enough to get me excited really 
I mean, it really is. Um, I was talking with my dad the other day and uh, he was watching a, a Brewers game and he was saying how uh, he's just, I don't know how the Brewers are winning because half their lineup isn't hitting 200 and the ones that are aren't over 250. And <laughs> like the, the future's now, old man. Right. I mean, he's just that's just how it is right like people aren't getting hits um okay for for reference in case since shane says he's not going to care about the on-base streak until it gets close to threatening the all-time record um or like a franchise record or franchise okay anyways long way to go because while the 56 hit streak number might be etched in people's brains the 84 on base streak of Ted Williams uh, is probably not as etched in people's minds. So it's still uh, cool. Not halfway there yet. Almost, almost halfway there. So, (laughs) all right. Okay. So we mentioned the one stupid story that we just didn't care about. Um, The other one, just, I don't know why I wanted to bring it up. But I know you really you decided to bring it back. Okay. I don't I don't know why it was, it was dumb at the time. I was I was getting into a really good good uh, rant about it. So whatever, whatever. Um, the the uh, second one is uh, when uh, Jim Cott uh, gave Nestor Nestor Cortez the Nestor the molester nickname offhandedly in a Twins broadcast, which. We, we were talking about this uh, before we aired about uh, how long ago. I, I, well, well, Shane, what did you think about, about it? I'll I, let you speak for yourself rather than... It uh, just, my, my, rea- my first reaction was honestly, thankfully for his career, it's Jim Cott. It's a baseball legend. It's someone who's going to have respect and not like some play-by-play guy who would get butchered for it. And probably maybe wouldn't be able to recover from it because I mean, on at the end of the day, what matters is intent. And I think Jim Cotts is a sweet old man, uh, and probably just I honestly, the, the, I'm I could be I've I've read people t- uh, talk about how the you know the dictionary definition of the term is whatever, and I could believe that that is very much what the colloquial usage of the word was when he was a young whippersnapper. Absolutely. Um, it's just, it's one of those where it's like, all right, Jim, maybe we'll avoid that one in the future, but uh, go on there, big guy. You're doing fine. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's not even like uh, a, a, like the N word where people just don't say it now. Like it's just not anywhere near or even getting close to that uh, in some circles. Um like uh, using the R word for someone who's mentally handicapped. Um, even the word mentally handicapped is something people are using less and less of, but um, like it's a word that people just don't use otherwise, but like it's not dirt, like it's not a dirty slur. It's just, it's just, it's, it's just so absurd. There, it's right? so absurd that we're uh, having this conversation. Well, I know. I know, but sometimes you have to bring up the absurdity. Um, <laughs> as I was saying, like 10 years ago, this wouldn't have been like, would not have been anything. Um, especially because I feel like without Twitter, I, I know Twitter is 10 years old. Um, give it a couple more years. But uh, the, 
without Twitter, it's absolutely not a story anyone would be following because no one would be hearing about some random twins broadcast against the Tigers. That's the thing. I'm sure there were so many crazy off-color things that announcers used to be able to get away with right. back in the day just because there was no way to immediately hold them accountable. And by the way, sorry, quick side rant. That's the same thing with umpires. Like umpires are not any worse or better than they I think they've only gotten better. They're not any worse than they've ever been throughout the entire history of baseball. The difference is we just now have the ability to really call them out on it and the technology to hold them accountable. And also the kind of general philosophies around the games have really changed in a lot of ways. So it's, uh, sorry, that's, that's a, that's a, a, a nerve I agree. I, I but, agree. Uh, uh, for what it's worth, uh, Nestor himself went, uh, was basically saying exactly what you said. His statement was, hey, everybody, Jim Cott had spent an entire lifetime, has spent an entire lifetime in this game we love. He reached out to me last night and apologized for his remark last night, but he didn't need to. We all make mistakes and feel 100% there was no malice intended. I plan on lifting him up with this tweet, and I hope others do too. No sweat here, Jim. So look at that. A non-story becomes even more of a non-story, and yet we just spent 10 minutes talking about it because that is what we do, apparently. It's all Uh, about intent, kids. All right. Okay. The uh, next up, we've got some actual hard baseball news to talk about here. Um, a Mr. Joe Girardi is available to manage whatever team you would like to pay him lots of money to manage because the Philadelphia Phillies have let him go uh, earlier this week. Dave Dombrowski apparently talked to the owner about firing Girardi, went for a one hour run came back and decided, yeah, let's fire him. So uh, this He's leaves such a cartoon the... character. Right? Like, it's, uh, it's so ridiculous. And I th- he loves playing into it, too. It's, uh... He knows who he is. He's, he's made his legacy. Um, and... He doesn't know who he is because he makes the same old mistakes. He built a team with, a, with no bullpen again. <laughs> again. Again and again. But now he doesn't have a Girardi who is obviously the, I don't, I, I don't know. I, was he holding them back? I, it's, I don't, it, there, okay. There are some things that can be said about a culture, um, an environment that over time can become debilitating or become not fun. Um, like there's been rumbles around in the media. That's, that's the take that the players weren't having fun anymore. Um, but at the end of the day, the, um, uh, the manager is not responsible for that many decisions. Their actual role is not that significant. And they're really just liked if the team is winning and not liked if the team is losing. And Girardi, every time I watch a Girardi press conference, by the way, I feel like I'm having a fever dream the way he's like half leaning back in a chair and right. it's like whispering it's the oddest experience in the world it's uh but, it's like a uh, a power move that michael scott were like writing a book <laughs> once and just used it when he's negotiating just talk really quiet yeah uh <laughs> but to me it's very much like dombrowski going okay uh it's it's an a, it's the emergency latch that you pull at this point 
with right. what they've been going through. And I mean, it's it's worked so far. It's it has lit a fire under this team, at least in this last series against Anaheim. Yeah, I mean, so the other, like you said, their their on field job it doesn't have much. Um, I feel like the biggest thing is well it's right in the name. It's a manager. They, they, they manage the clubhouse. Um, they manage the personalities. So I guess um, from that perspective, I'm sure there's a lot behind the scenes for all of these manager moves that like, we just have no insight into um, unless you're the Boston Red Sox. If you're and, putting the bench coach in yeah. charge as the interim manager, anyway, you're not going to change that much. True. Especially Very a guy true. like Thompson who's been there since 2018. And that was my neck. That was what I was leading into. Like, but that's, that's not, uh, you're not changing anything here. Like, I don't know. Uh, I feel like Girardi dragged a number of Yankees teams that should not have been above 500 to above 500 records. Um, yeah. I think Girardi is a good manager. As and, much as a good manager can be a good manager, because ultimately, you, and it is funny to, to see that, you know, he was the guy, he used to be the guy who got made fun of for having the binder. Um, right. And then now, you know, some people are, are saying that he's, he's behind the times and he's the, he's the guy who doesn't want to, it's, I don't know. It's the, the manager will always get dragged on a team that's underperforming. And the amount of credit you want to give them is really up to you because right. none of us will ever really know the impact they're having the guys in the clubhouse might be able to tell you yeah this dude was dragging us down and we need to get out of here or a guy in the clubhouse might be able to tell you i would die for this man this is the ultimate leader of men he does everything right we're behind him 100 percent, and that's making a difference but none of us from the outside will ever really be able to know right exactly and uh so um good luck joe i'm I feel like he's going to get picked up in a couple years by someone. Someone's going to need him. Um, we thought Dusty Baker and Tony LaRusso were out and now they're back. And uh, so we'll, we'll see. I feel like Girardi has too much uh, cash uh, to, uh, to not be brought back at some point by someone. So I hope we, Girardi takes his time and just enjoys life because he's been in such a hostile work environment for so long. I mean, just man, take a oh year, man. dude. Just breathe. Like, okay, but also like the two, two of, two of probably the three hardest media environments to be in in the country. Yeah. All day, every day. Got it. Got to get this guy a nice, easy job in, uh, I don't know, Denver or uh, no. <laughs> like, I don't know. Perfect. Uh, all right. Uh, speaking of managers and their impacts on the game, um, I did not see what happened yesterday evening that had uh, Mets and Dodgers Twitter afire. But uh, Shane, can you explain to me what one Dave Roberts forgot and did um, that led to quite the kerfuffle? I sure can. So if, if people were running real hot on this. So in a five-run game going into the top of the ninth, Dave Roberts attempted to use Zach McKinstry off the bench to pitch as a position player in the ninth inning. Um, according to what we know now it was not the Mets it was the umpires who came out 
and said, no, you're not allowed to do this because the new rule, which was talked about back in 2020, but wasn't implemented until this year. And is and that I do want to clarify, it wasn't even at the beginning of this year. This rule came into place at the same time as the roster restrictions, and I saw it nowhere. Okay, anyways, continue. The rule is now that you can only use a position player pitcher in a game that is a six-run deficit or more. And this was a five-run game. Therefore, this was not legal. Now, Zach McKintry was already announced. He's on the field. Everybody's kind of standing around. It's funny. No one on the field was charged up about it. Uh, uh, Buck Showalter was definitely charged up about it. And then eventually, uh, the bullpen coach really got charged up about it. But that was him protecting Evan Phillips, who's trying to warm up. We'll talk about that, too. Um, but, yeah, it was... Ultimately, the Dodgers were not allowed to use Zach McKinstry. So a, pl a player from the bullpen had to come in, but no one was warming up. Evan Phillips eventually got up and started throwing. He technically is not allowed to warm up, but getting mad about a guy throwing warm-up pitches ultimately doesn't benefit anybody because yeah. you're just putting people in danger and putting people's health at risk. So no one's really going to get mad at that. That's what the bullpen coach was really yelling about because he wants his guy to be safe. Um, but it's at the end, it took 11 and a half minutes and it really Dave Roberts asked for a rule clarification, which is apparently what required the umpires to go back to New York. And I just like to imagine a hard cut of like some guy flipping through a yellow pages side sized rule book, like trying to find the subsection that this is referring to and it right. taking him 10 minutes because it's just it's such an absurd situation. Well, I think um, I'm guessing the issue is like when they made the rule. So, so the backstory on this rule is MLB, when they raised the roster size from 25 to 26, they were like, we need to limit the amount of pitchers on rosters. Otherwise teams are just going to carry 16 men bullpens and just not bullpens, but like pitching staffs. And we, we don't want that to happen. So we're going to limit the amount of pitchers on the roster. Well, okay, we can limit the pitchers on the roster, but what if you just say, oh, yeah, Aroldis Chapman's a third baseman now. Um, and you just say that and say, oh, we're just letting a position player pitch. Uh, and so to get around that, uh, MLB basically said, okay, you can't do that. And then also position players can't pitch at all. Wait, wait, wait. Okay. They can pitch if your team's up by six or more and it's late in the game, basically. Um, so this is all a giant like loophole closure that I'm guessing no one thought would ever come into play. And so they just basically said, you can't do that. And then they didn't have a procedure in place for what happens when someone exactly. tries to because no one's sure why i i understand the mets booth was quite fired up about this um oh yeah gary cohen was getting into it man and he had plenty of time to work right he had 11 minutes to work with it um but why would you use a position player when you're only down five like that's a competitive yeah. game so let's talk about the conversation so okay. yeah there's obviously the 
the suggestion that it is it is a winnable game. It's close enough. We've seen teams do it this year. You're absolutely able to come back in that game, and you should be trying to win. Uh, here's the the win expectancy argument for it. Uh, Dave right. Roberts came out after the game and said that the plan was to use Evan Phillips for two innings in today's game. Um, and if they used him last night, they would have only been able to use him for one innings today. And that actually ended up did mattering, uh, mattering because Bruce Dargrowell was used today for multiple innings and ended up giving up a bunch of runs. Um, but anyway, the idea was you want to use Evan Phillips for longer. So from a win expectancy point of view, we're down by five runs going into the ninth inning. We have less than a 1% chance of winning. But if we can use arguably our best reliever this year for two innings tomorrow, that's going to do more for our win expectancy than using him in this game. So if you throw up Zach McKinstry there and now you're down seven runs or maybe he, he gets through it, who cares? You probably weren't going to win today, today anyway but now your likelihood of winning tomorrow is increased. So that's the, the logical argument behind it. And yeah, you can still say it's a five-run game. You have a chance to win it. You should be doing everything you can to try to win it. And that's totally fair. Um, but, you know, the Dodgers also have always shown that they kind of don't care about the regular season. Like, they'll do dumb stuff. Right. And it kind of, I mean, you know, they, they didn't win the division last year. So, but they win so many games that, there's sometimes where they make decisions like this where you're like, Oh, okay. Uh, I don't know, but okay. Yeah. I, it was really interesting uh, with that. And then I, I thought you guys were in the middle of a long stretch of games, but like you're at the off, end, you're at the end because you've got an off day tomorrow. So, so today was the 31st game in uh, 30 days. That was yeah. the stretch. Yeah, that's... and yeah, they were rotating through. They had Michael Grove come up from AAA. Ryan Pepio made was basically a part of the rotation. Mitch White was a part of the rotation. They had all of these guys come up and fill as many innings as possible. Um, but you know, at the end of the stretch like that, and you're also just you're focusing short term on on trying to win a game when you think you can win a game. It's it's funny. It's something that we probably never were going to see otherwise, and we might not ever see again. Like this well, might be right. a true anomaly of baseball. And I don't know why everyone was so mad about it. <laughs> it's a rule that wasn't in place until a few weeks ago. And I, I will be quite honest. I did not know this rule had come into effect. No, but and... here's the thing. No, that's not, that's okay. That's fine. Cause you, me and you are just me and you. The argument is that Dave Roberts or Bob Guerin or someone on the Dodgers staff should know that's a rule and that's fine. Right, and that's right. fair. And I get that, but I guarantee you, guarantee you if you did a poll of all 30 managers and all 30 bench coaches and you asked them if they knew that was a rule I don't think the number is going to be as high as some of you think right I don't think so because like I like I follow baseball fairly closely when it comes to new rule changes I'm usually um very much on top of like oh this is happening this is happening like the amount of people. So when, when the um, discussed this in the past, uh, the, the last couple of weeks, the commissioner of the Korean baseball organization has talked about um, doing opening day games in the U S sometime. Um, there are people in the comment sections of that saying stuff like, okay, but we'll never send MLB over to open there, which is what he's insinuating is going to happen. It's like, 
Well, no, they already agreed to that. That's this has been agreed to. And not only has it been agreed to, they've done it in Japan and Australia. Like, this is not a new concept. This is something that's been announced and in place. And then I have to take a step back and realize, okay, but not everyone after the CBA was ratified was combing through all of the articles about it to see exactly what was going on with it, which that kind of got lost in the shuffle. Um, I had no idea that this rule was being put in place this way, this far into the season. Like I thought it, I thought it was just thrown out with all the other stuff that's been thrown out. But uh, yeah. And that's, yeah, they did push it back. They pushed it back twice because they initially talked about it for 2020 and then they bumped it and then they bumped it again. Uh, And then it bumped again. Dave Roberts also mentioned in his post-game interview that um, there was a time not long ago, I think it was two years ago, that they did do this. They use a position player in a five-run game, uh, in a game in Colorado, I believe. So that's what he was thinking of. And I guess if you don't know the rule to begin with, and so you've already used this scenario before, so you probably think, oh, I've done this before. Why can't I do it now? Right. Um, When they're, you know, it happens. It happens. Um, it's not the first time you've seen it. Uh, we saw Tony Larusa not really understand the extra innings rule, the ghost runner rule. We saw, uh, I think in 2017, there was an illegal substitution. Uh, there was in... a double switch because the yeah. Twins are an AL team, and uh, we were playing in an NL ballpark, and no one knew what to do. <laughs> it's like it's. It's not worth getting upset over right. at the end of the day. Right. It's uh, not, a, right. as Gary Cohen, it's not a, like a black mark on baseball. I'm sorry. Right. <laughs> and I, I did listen. He did kind of uh, walk back a little bit of his anger on today's broadcast as he explained and found out exactly what was going on with it. So, all right. Uh, last thing on the list here before we take a look, see at the standings. A Mr. Josh Hader has tied the Major League Baseball record with 40 straight games without allowing a run. Now, before everyone gets out, but what about, yes, this is regular season only. Whenever you talk about streaks, it's almost always regular season only. Unless otherwise specified. Exactly. So uh, that is the default. But yeah, 40, 40 straight games without allowing a run. And uh, he's so good, I man. Can't believe how automatic he is. Like it's it's the delivery, it's the stuff, it's everything. And he, I feel like he just prints these out, these streaks. Like I feel like every couple months you hear about another long scoreless inning streak from him. It's just what he does. It's insane. Like absolutely insane. He, I feel he is. Not quite single-handedly, because I think Craig Council is an amazing manager who knows how to use him. But, like, he just drags... The fact that they have that automatic ninth inning, just, like, it's how the Brewers outperform their, like, expected wins every year. Because okay, Brewers... Brewers, me and you need to have a talk. I'm I'm the cool substitute teacher. I'm sitting backwards in the chair. You know, you you did you did great putting this rotation together, and you have Josh Hader as your closer. You have all the pitching you need. You're in such a great situation. Pitching is what you need to go on runs in the playoffs. Can you please go get someone so you can put together an offense that can score runs consistently? 
are we going to, can we not do this again where you go into the playoffs and your pitching is still great and you just don't score any runs? It's That's... not, it's exhausting. You're, this team could be, it, they just need to make a push. And part of that is Yelich. And I know that that's going to, that's, it's, it's tough. The Yelich situation is tough. Um, he's not, he's not going to be 2018, 2019 Yelich again. And they need that kind of offense for this team to really go on a real run. But I hope that they're active on the deadline. I hope that they really try to go get a bat because you can't waste this kind of performance, man. So uh, I was wondering how valid my my dad's statement was uh, about the Brewers roster. Now, he might have been exaggerating the amount of players hitting under 200, um, though they do have um, two, three of those. Uh, but of the I'm looking at the Brewers roster. There are indeed one, two, three. <laughs> There's four of them who are hitting over 250 and three of the four are on the injured list right now. <laughs> so uh, the, the only active Brewers starter hitting over 250 is the legend of Rowdy Telez with his 256, 320, 489 triple slash line. Um, Their yeah. team W. Plus is 93. They are bottom 10 in the league. And they're just yeah. keep winning despite that. Wow. All right. Um, but let's let's stick right there. Let's uh let's take a look, see over at the standings now. Um, like we said, it is after Memorial Day. We are into June. The standings suddenly matter for the first time. Real unfortunate timing on the Angels having that lost streak. Um, Super tough. Right before the standings matter. But uh, let's let's stay there in the NL Central since we're talking about the Brewers. Um, when you look at this NL Central, what is sticking out to you at this point in the season? Just seeing the Pirates in, in third place is so crazy, right? And I mean, part of that just because the, the, the Reds and the Cubs aren't aren't good, but... I haven't seen them not at the bottom in so long that it just, it weirds me out. But I think this is, this is what I expect. I think the Brewers are the best team in that league. And I think in that division, and I think the Cardinals are always going to just be solid. Uh, they are just so consistent. And Paul Goldschmidt is so hot right now. And I, but that's, you know, it, that looks like it looks about right. It passes the smell test to me. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, I think rumors of serious uh, rumors of Cincy being the worst team in baseball history were a little overblown um, as they have been winning a bit. And the fact that the Kansas city Royals exist. Um, but <laughs> I do, Oof. I do want to call back to this. Uh, I just noticed the Yankees are almost, they're at 39 wins right now. Um, someone posted like two weeks into the season what happens first? The first team to get to 40 wins or the Reds get to 10 wins? And I was like, are you kidding me? No, the Reds yeah. are going to get to 10 wins first. I don't care if they, I wouldn't care if they had zero wins at that point of the season. No one had 20 wins at that point when you posted it. Um, 
the Reds are going to get to 10 wins before another team gets to 40. Uh, and there was literally a comment in there that said, it's not a question of if a team does, it's how many teams get to 40 wins before the Reds get to 10. It's, yeah, it's, and I, come on, I, I was like, what? Are you serious? My goodness. They're still I was, bad. Don't get it. Don't get too excited. Like, they're still, they're still not good. They're I mean, still not I good. think it's actually been in the last month or so, like, the fifth best winning percentage or something, like a weirdly surprising number. Yep. And um, they're still, you know, 18 and 35. Um, yeah. I, I was exactly. really, really hoping they would get to 20 before another team got to 40, just for the hilarity of it. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, they're, they're still a bad team. They're just not historically bad. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I, that's, that's kind of how I was feeling. Uh, yeah, the Pirates, I don't know if this is a, like, by virtue of, are they a worse team that's just been, like, hitting the top end of the bell curve for wins? Um, I don't think they're a good team losing close games and ending up you know below 500 because of that i gotta tell you because i just watched my team get swept at home by the pirates and watching the baseball Mm -hmm. they played really good baseball and i i don't think they like there's no way they play like that all the time because they would be a good team if they played like that all the time they just made all the plays they got all the hits when they needed them it was like there was nothing else you could say it was just like god damn the pirates are just crushing us right now um and that's cool and that's fun and like bednar is a a stud he's so much fun to watch um but yeah that's i I, you know i'm not it's not really worth talking about any more than that but it's 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 exciting for them and it's fun and there's there's guys that you can tusupita marcano or it's a long brutal name i was just i had my head in my hands most of the time when he was at the plate anyway um it's it's fun be excited while you can because I'm, maybe it gets really bad from here but at I'm, least you have now yes i'm really glad for them um i'm especially glad for their announcing team especially uh joe block who uh, appeared on one of our first episodes uh he he's a play-by-play guy for the the pirates and he said he'd be honored to be on the podcast when we asked him at which point we looked around and said I don't know if anyone has ever said they'd be honored to be in uh, this company, but that's exciting. Uh, so I, I am glad he is getting to see some good baseball instead of just heaping trash fires, um, which is good. So yeah, uh, that, that passes it. Uh, this Cardinals team is a very typical Cardinals team. Exactly. In the, the Cardinals. That, I, there's, I have nothing else to say. They're the Cardinals. Are they a good the Cardinals team? Cardinals are always the Cardinals. Tommy Edmond is the devil. Are they a good team? Yes. Are they a great team? Probably not. The magic runs through Tommy Edmond. But it doesn't matter if they're a great team. Because if you put on a Cardinals uniform and you're a good team, you somehow just win and you stick around and... I don't know, unless the Brewers get those bats that you requested, it's really hard to bet against the Cardinals. But at the same time, it's really hard to bet against Josh Hader and that rotation. And Eric Lauer... That rotation needs to stay steady through its health issues. Yeah. But... Like, Eric Lauer was, oh, he's the other guy pitching for the Brewers, and then he just got better. He's just doing it. 
<laughs> yeah. Okay. We need to pick up pick it up through these visuals right. a little bit. All the right. East so- looks exactly right to me. I mean, that's what I would probably have predicted going into the season. Yep. I think uh, the question is with the Braves, you know, how much are they going to get going? What are your thoughts on that? Do they have another run? I I feel like this Mets team to me feels differently than last year's Mets team. Um, I don't want to jinx it. I won't use the C word about uh, what happens when teams lose lots of games in a row. Um, But I, I feel like it's a solid enough team that less to worry about than last year. The Braves, uh, they look pretty good. They could, they're going to be in the wild card hunt, I think. Um, they, they are not as bad as they had looked. Um, I do think people were freaking out a bit more because they had that recency bias of, you know, winning the World Series. Um, riding into the season where a lot of people thought the Braves were just going to be this super team that buzzed through people like they seemed to buzz through the playoffs seemingly forgetting that that was not the Braves team that went through the regular season. Like, yes, they were a very good team, um, but they weren't a buzz on the regular season. Uh, it was the playoffs. They kicked it on. Um, so I, exactly. it, this is about shaking out how I expected. I thought the Braves had a few more wins. Um, I didn't really see the Phillies. I, I, they're pretty much where I thought they were Miami, Washington, pretty much where I thought they were. Um, yeah, this is, this is shaking out pretty chalk. I think the Mets can stick around this time. I mean, I feel like we do we do do this every year with with them at least through through a big point of the season, and then it it's feels true. like they start to fade. So I I think this is different. Um, the Braves, you know, I also don't think they're they're really going to be because they honestly they weren't they didn't win ninety games last year either, right? right. Weren't they in eighty nine? Yeah, I mean it's it's just they're not a powerhouse. The Phillies are doing the Phillies have the same problems they've always had. Uh, and then my only other real note for this division before we move on is I really am upset with the Nationals being lazy. Uh, sorry, not the Nationals, the, the Marlins being lazy with their free agency, being cheap and going the short way with guys like Soler and Garcia. When if they really went and made a splash and got someone at the center of their offense, they could really complement this exciting starting rotation with Alcantara and Lopez. I Right. I with that third wild, I'm surprised they didn't do anything because there is that third wild card. Like they are a team that is tailor-made for that third wild card slot. A team that can just overperform enough to sneak in and then have a rotation that can do damage in the playoffs. Um, but all right. Uh, okay. Over to the NL West, your division here. Um, they are lining up almost exactly how I thought they would line up. This is the beautiful, the beauty of, of the standings after Memorial day. Things right. just feel, feel good. Like, like the, the Rockies and the diamondbacks were over 500 for way longer than anyone thought they would, but they're now appropriately down again. Yes. Um, you know, the giants, it's not, it shouldn't be controversial to say they way overperformed last year. And, they're still a good team. They're still playing good ball, but I don't think that you expect them to win 106 games. Uh, and that, you know, their defense has actually been as bad, maybe worse by some metrics than the Phillies this year. They've had a really bad defense. The pitching has taken a step back. 
um, and you're not getting career years out of everybody. Um, the Padres are doing an amazing job of keeping their, they've kept their head above water by such a more significant margin than people would have expected in this Tatisless run. Right. I think the hope really the whole time he was out was like, if you can hold the like even 500 without him or like hopefully over that, if your pitching has been as good as it has, and we'll talk about Joe Musgrove. I mean, what a, what a guy Mackenzie Gore too, but to see them over 600 winning percentage without Tatis at this point in the season, even while guys like Hosmer and Profar have faded from their initial like tear and it's still just Machado is, is marching along. It's really impressive and they should be happy with it. And the Dodgers are the Dodgers. And this last week hasn't been very fun. So I'm actually not really that charged up. Um, but, you know, they're, they're always going to keep marching. Yeah. I, uh, I'm interested to see. I know Tatis might not be back this month. They had some. Uh, the, the fact that we've heard so little. Right. Like, I, not... I know he took, he took ground balls for the first time. Um, this week here which was kind of the latest news but he also wasn't expected he's not imminent and at the beginning of the year we thought he'd be back in june and i i don't know if he will be but i mean they just need to keep their head above water and they're only two games back of the dodgers and they got a three and a half game lead in the wild card so um that that's pretty good i think uh, that's a that's a good place to be for them, and uh, yeah, like I said, that division's kind of kind of fallen pat. Um, all right, let's uh, move over to the other West, the AL West. We talked a bit about this. Um, oh, Angels! Earlier, I mean, it's the Astros. fallen Angels. There's the Astros, the Demons, you know, fallen Angels, and uh, then the Rangers, Mariners, A's. Um, I will say I thought the Mariners would be in third and they probably will be by the end of the season. Um, I have been, I don't, I don't know if I want to say surprised by how well the Rangers have been doing to sit at 25 and 28. Um, I mean, we knew that they'd have some, some major upgrades on offense. However, those upgrades haven't, all been doing as hot as we thought they would right like yeah independent of like i mean simeon's starting to to pull himself pull himself out a, a, a tiny bit and and seager's gonna start warming up with the summer but this is kind of what you would hope for right after what the last couple of years have been if, if you make those big signings and you know get to maybe 500 that would be a successful year for the rangers this year and I think they should be happy with with how things have gone with how things have gone so far. And um, Jonah Heim is a stud. They, you know, this is this is good. Yeah. So uh, there's that. Um, Mariners. I mean, I'm not I'm not surprised to be honest uh, that they're below 500 at this point. I think. I think a lot of us saw the fun differential last year and we're like, that doesn't sound like sustainable fun differential, uh, <laughs> but it was fun for a season. It was fun. Um, but, uh, you know, they, they're just not quite, they're not quite there. Um, give it another year or two. Um, 
And yeah, then, I think we got excited. I think a lot of people wanted this to be the year and wanted them to have have that step forward since they were so close last year. But it's I don't think it is. Yeah. I think we'll call it a mulligan. Yeah, yeah. Mulligan. And then uh, the A's, they dumped players. Then they dumped wins in the standings. And they're one in nine in their last 10. They've lost their last six. They've got a negative 63 run differential. I not much else to to say there. Uh. <laughs> and all the credit to the Astros who just do nothing but march ahead and right. win all the time. Oh my goodness. They just keep marching. They're like ants. <laughs> just keep marching. Um hey, speaking of teams that are atrocious, let's go to the AL Central. Uh, despite the Tigers strong showing against the Twins because of course they would do that. Uh, they got swept by the Yankees. They've been actually like, they've been losing close games. They have pitching. They don't have hitting. And pitching only gets you so far when it's not elite pitching. It's just like, no, this is a good pitching rotation. This is a good. There's excitement for that rotation. There's excitement for the younger guys in that rotation. There's Um, things to look up. There's things to be excited for. Um, the offense, yeah, it's just, it's not there. And they're, I don't think that they're going to be a good team. I think we, there was maybe a little bit of a hope of, oh, maybe the Tigers are going to be good, but no, they're, they're still, they're not there yet. The Royals are so bad. They're so bad. Wow. I don't, oh my God. They're so bad. All I the don't time. understand. What's the plan? I, I don't know what's going on. I don't understand. I, I don't like, there's gotta be a plan. There's just, there's no plan. Like Got to make sure you tie down Hunter Dozier, though. That was that was what you needed to do. That's yeah. that's called proactive front office. Yeah. Um, the White Sox, I still refuse to believe that they are as bad as they've been playing. I don't. I know it just keeps happening, and it's. I feel like a crazy person at this point because they just still don't look good. But they have to be good, right? I don't know. I. I don't know. It might. I'm starting to think we might have an AL Central problem where obviously one team has to win the division and that one team just kind of like changes hands every few years and they're propped up by playing in a division without much competition and then they just collapse the next year when some other team takes up the mantle and says, AL Central. Why are you the way that you are now? Now I am the king, the king of the fools, and we will continue to think our team is good. Um, yeah, uh, I, I've, I've, the team that's impressed me, honestly, the most have been the Guardians. The Guardians um, always, always are fine though. They're, right. they're a pitching factory enough that they can always get by. They are a 500 team that will have seasons where they overperform. And finish, you know, much better than five. You know, better if than they 500. spent money, they could be good. Yeah, but they don't. So you get to watch Jose Ramirez, and you'll you're gonna like it. I don't. I like. They should be a decent team, um, but I don't think they're a threat to win the division unless you know the the Twins collapse and the White Sox don't do anything. Um, twins. I mean, I've been excited watching the team. I. I feel like we've got a lot of young bats that are, while not superstars, um, are 
living up to being a big leaguer and filling into slots. Um, we'll see how uh, we, we had a little bit of a COVID outbreak in the clubhouse from people who were vaccinated and people who were probably not vaccinated. But uh, they, there was an outbreak in the clubhouse. And despite that, we still took two or three from Toronto. And so we'll see how everything sits when we get back. Um, in a, a very ironic twist of fate, our superstar AAA shortstop who was sent down to the AAA when uh, Carlos Correa came back from an injury. He was playing different positions. If you didn't hear about this, Royce Lewis, uh, he was playing center field. And like any good Minnesota center fielder, because they play in St. Paul, the AAA team does, uh, he runs into the outfield wall and injures himself. And the very next day, Carlos Correa comes down with COVID and is out. So... Can you guys stop doing this? Like you do this all the time, and it's, if, if you just not, if you just don't do that, you'll be fine. And I just, I don't understand why our outfield walls are not just pure bubble wrap. Like I agree. I don't yeah, what's care stopping how silly you? Just it make looks. it a foot thick. Just like make it a bunch of pillows out there. Who cares? Memory foam, the entire Absolutely. thing. Memory foam. Trampolines. My goodness. Okay. Uh, so, anyways, yeah. I mean, I. This is a team that I feel I was talking about earlier is running semi on momentum. Um, if we hit a rough patch, I could easily see the White Sox surging and passing us. Um, but if we just kind of keep trucking, we're just going to keep trucking. And once a truck gets moving, it takes a while to stop. So I, we'll see that the whole division, I feel, is quite volatile in those top three slots. And like, anything could happen the rest of the season um because all three teams are prone to having a very bad stretch the opposite of which is the top four in the al east who are all prone to having very very good stretches um because of course they do because of course toronto comes in with this eight and two record in their last 10 goes on a massive win streak and still sits seven and a half games back of the Yankees because the Yankees are just destroying everyone in their path and buzz. The Yankees everyone. are finally having like the high percentile outcome year that they've not been having for the last couple of years. Um, this team has always had the potential to be this good, but it's good to see it working and it's, it's, they're a fun team to watch right now. It feels like everything goes right for them. I just, um, I just, I feel like there was a, a weekend where I was tuning into all their games and they would just win all of them by one run. Like, oh, team stage come man. back in the ninth, it's going to fall one run short. You're tied That's going to the sign of a good team when you hit just a home win. run. They just win. It's very it just fast. happens. They just no keep matter getting away what, with it. You find a way to get away with it. They just keep getting away with it. And that's when a team's rolling. Uh, the Orioles are the Orioles there's not worth talking about the Red Sox. I think are going to there. I don't think they're a threat for the division, but I think they'll be fighting for that last uh, wild card spot. I, they're right the Rays, there with it with the Rays are falling. That high variance <laughs> team. I think. Yeah. I mean, but the, the blue Jays are the, are the real ones to talk about because what do you think you're going to get out of this team for the rest of the year? Oh my gosh. Um, if I'm the Yankees, the only team, well, I mean, here's the problem. I'd say the only team I'm worried about, but then I realized, no, the Rays are 
they just win in dumb ways and sneak into you things. Get raised. Yeah, the Yankees especially don't aren't going to put the Rays out of their thoughts. Okay, if I put a little bar over the team names and just look at the rosters, the one I'm really worried about if I'm the Yankees is the Blue Jays because that lineup just mashes. Just, it's a good lineup. It, it's a good lineup. They haven't been mashing, but they can. And the pitching staff is there. Um, ironically, their worst pitcher pitched the best against the Twins and Kevin Gaussman got lit up because, I don't know, baseball. Like the Pirates swept the Dodgers, right? Baseball happens. Yeah. Um, Rios has to figure it out, definitely. But and he did. He did. Before, he, did. And he always, But that's what he does. He has these stretches where his curveball is unhittable. It's not just that it breaks and that it breaks hard and that it just keeps breaking. It's that it breaks slightly differently each time. So that if you lined up and he throws you the same curveball and you've got your bat lined up where it broke last time, it could just as easily break one inch less or one inch more and suddenly you just ground it into a double play. It is ridiculous what he can do with that when he's on. Um, the problem is he tends to forget how to throw it every once in a while. And then he just gets lit up because it turns out when it only breaks an inch each time, it's easy to hit. Who knew? The thing is his expected ERA is still like two runs higher than his actual ERA and his actual ERA is in the fives. Right. But because people can launch balls, uh, people can launch breaking balls that don't break. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But uh, they'll they absolutely have the capability to, to really go on a tear the blue Jays team. And I think they can make some noise in the playoffs, but if the Yankees can keep playing this kind of baseball, I mean, I think they can, I think this is, you know, uh, yes. Aaron judge is just a monster. Yeah. He's, he bet on himself. Um, and I, I think it's going to pay off. Um, it would take a very long, prolonged cold streak to not get him a massive contract next year. There is no cold streak that he's going to have right now. He's so the only thing that can hurt him right now is getting hurt. Right. He's so locked in. He's just, he's unbelievable. He's so much fun to watch. He's not committing in the outfield. He's playing conservatively and that's fine. And I respect that. Um, but especially with this, with that pitching rotation, like, yeah, it's one thing when you feel like you need to make up outs in the field for your pitching rotation. When you feel like, man, I really got to get us out of this inning. Um, he doesn't need that pressure. He he doesn't feel that pressure. He doesn't need. He plays to feel a passable center too. Like they stick him out there in center, and he's fine. Right. Absolutely. Um, I am glad the Yankees did not give him a bag. I'm interested to see what he ends there's up getting. No, I, there's no, I, I see no scenario where they don't pay him. You can't. It's right? not an option. If you're, you, you're the Yankees, you can't let that guy. It's not. No, no, no. <laughs> Nestor, Nestor, the good pitcher. That's what we're calling. <laughs> Nestor is amazing. I love him. Glory to Nestor. Uh, Jameson Tyone also deserves a ton of credit. This whole rotation deserves a lot of credit a lot of people were talking about cole and the question marks cole's kind of been the biggest question mark of all i mean he has Jordan not Montgomery's been, a been great 
Luis Severino's been great. <laughs> like it's they're everybody, and I, obviously that's not Cole's still been good. I right. Mean, I would yeah, I say that facetiously, but this whole rotation is just mowing people down. And you know, I don't know if Nestor stays under two. There aren't a lot of guys who are really true sub two ERA pitchers. Oh, but right. If you just watch him and just the deliveries and the the funkiness and everything it's just it's amazing like and I, uh, I was if you ask me is this yankees rotation this good i will say no they're not because no one is actually this good they're still probably the best one of the best in the american league right now like and they have they've have been they like, were last year you don't get to be the, like no one gets to have this good of a rotation an entire season, but even when they regress, they're still going to be a really, 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 really good rotation. Absolutely. Um, credit to Severino for coming back from injury. Credit for Tyone from coming back from a second Tommy John, which is right. unheard of. Um, these guys are great, and I think they're gonna continue to be on a tear. And I, I would easily pick them to win this division. Though I totally see a scenario where the Blue Jays could take it i don't right. i think that very well could happen i do you have I any other thoughts agree. before we get out of here i i don't think so i do want to say i need to apologize to any yankees fans listening i'm hope you are glad we are finally giving you your due uh i've been looking for a yankees person to interview and uh so far uh other interviews come through and they don't um so we're, we're still still looking for that um just as we get moving here uh, out, uh, we do plan on getting those interviews back started again. We're very excited. We've got uh, a returning guest, uh, hopefully lined up for the next week or two. I don't want to tease it too much just because nothing's been uh, finalized yet, but we're, we're hoping to get this going again. And uh, I'm, I'm excited for the, uh, the dog days here, right? We're through the opening stretch. We have our two-month dog days of summer, June, July, and then we got the home stretch August and September. So uh, I'm excited. Uh, we are going to be started talking about the All-Star game pretty soon. That's always exciting. And uh, yeah, well, Shane, thanks for joining me today to talk about everything that's been going on. Thank you. It's been fun as always. And just to go get our exit credits out of the way here, my name is Lewis. I was joined by Shane. I am the executive producer of this podcast. The wonderful Nime is our editor, and our theme music was composed by Chuck Lease. Our Baseball Weekly releases every Monday, bright and early, so be sure to subscribe and do all that. And hey, if you've listened this long, you probably have enjoyed the podcast go ahead and fill out our listener survey linked in the last couple episode notes and uh, let us know what we can do better, what you enjoy, and what sorts of things you would love to hear in the future. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Yes.